Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Real Estate Disruptors. Today, we have Anthony Pappas with Mavro Properties, rising star in Phoenix, Arizona. And he's here to talk about how he did $1.2 million last year by driving for dollars virtually. If this is your first time tuning in, I'm Steve Trang, sales trainer. Every month, we help hundreds of people buy more houses at deeper margins. If you want more info on that, DM me the word sales on Instagram. I am on a mission to create 100 millionaires. And the information on this podcast alone is enough to help you become a millionaire in the next five to seven years. If you'll take consistent action, I assure you, you will become one. And the show is brought to you by Closers Lab. This is my partner, Max Jimenez, doing live calls on Thursday mornings at 10 a.m. Uh, Arizona time. Be sure to check that out on this channel on Real Estate Disruptors. And if you get value today, please tag a friend below, share this episode right now. That way we can all grow together. And we do have a new show, Blockchain Wells, on Friday. Uh, go check out blockchainwells.com to find out more about that. This is a live show, so please ask your questions for Anthony to answer. Ready? Let's go. All right. So first question is, what got you into real estate? Uh, the typical rich dad, poor dad book was yeah. the start. And uh, yeah, uh, fiance Kristen, uh, we were both working jobs we hated. She wanted to try something new, decided to get licensed as an agent. Somebody in the brokerage said, you've got to read this book. She read the book. She forced me to read it, even though I resisted at first. Mm -hmm. and then we're like, all right, we need to make some changes because... There's a better way to live. So she got licensed first. So she's the one that started this. Absolutely. Yeah. Got it. I'd still be fixing toilets if it wasn't for her. I mean, toilets, fixing toilets is not a bad way. It's not a bad way, but yeah. you feel like you, there's more out there and I wanted more. So, <laughs> okay. So were you reading books at this time or you just happened to pick up this book? Yeah. I've always been kind of a nerd, uh, did a lot more, uh, uh, fiction than nonfiction and mm -hmm. started going on a path of self-development because of Joe Rogan's podcast, which I right. normally got into for just entertainment while I was driving around in a work van. And they yeah. started having some more serious topics and that kind of opened my eyes to self-development. Gotcha. Okay. So you pick up the book, you read it, it's eye-opening. Mm -hmm. Then what? Uh, I was like, I need to talk to somebody that's good at real estate. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I reached out to my cousin who went to high school with Trevor Bradley, mm -hmm. who's an amazing realtor. Yeah. And I hit up Trevor. I'm like, hey, can I take you to Top Golf? I want to pick your brain. And we went out. He's like, oh, so you want to invest? I'm like, yeah. He's like, how much money do you have? I'm like, I don't have any money. Like, well, you're going to need money. I'm like, Rich Dad, Poor Dad books that I don't need money. <laughs> He's like, well, you're, you're going to need some money. Um, you want to get licensed? I'm like, no, I got a full-time job. He's like, well, maybe you should check out wholesaling. Mm -hmm. I was like, what's that? Right. And that's when he put me in touch with you. And yeah. So you pointed you in that direction. Yep. Yeah. Gotcha. So remind me, it's been a while. The mm -hmm. Rich Dad, Poor Dad says you don't need money. So what does he recommend in that book? Well, you know, using other people's money. And uh, it seemed like back then buying houses, you could do it with almost no money down. And right. in Phoenix, that's a little different story now but right yeah. and i think that's one of the common misconceptions that we have in our industry is that you don't need money to wholesale real estate which is true or invest in real estate which is right. true you mm -hmm. don't need money to buy a house right but you absolutely need money to market yeah and people kind of forget that part right because yeah. it's still a marketing business first right yeah okay so you connect with me mm -hmm. then what happened I kept harassing you on Instagram and you're like, you Hey, uh, so here's what you need to do. You need to invest in yourself, put some money into some training. Cause you have no idea what you're doing. And mm -hmm. I can't answer all your questions via Instagram. Right. So I was like, all right, let's do this. Uh, took some of our savings. And I think we did one of your mastermind, like the weekend three day event. Yep. So you came yeah. to our event. Yeah. It was a two day event in Scottsdale. Right? Mm -hmm. I think that was like the third or fourth event I ever had. Right. And I remember you and Kristen were in the back learning. Right. So, at that point, had you tried wholesaling yet? Uh, no, I don't think, I don't even think I made any calls yet. I was still, you know, analysis by paralysis. Or so you were still in the education gathering mode? Yeah. Because I remember not only were you asking a lot of questions on Instagram, but you're like, what other book should I read? Like you were, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like uh, your, your brain could not be satiated. There was just so much you wanted to learn right. and grow. Right. And so like, look, you're trying to grow, like you, you might as well just come to this event. Right. So you came to the event. What was your takeaway from that? Uh, that I didn't know what I didn't know. Mm -hmm. And I realized like imperfect action is more important than just waiting for the right time. So I started text blasting and cold calling with the time I had after, you know, working all day plumbing. And then I kept harassing you even more. And that's how I ended up on the team. So what were your hours when you were plumbing? Uh, so plumbing is very inconsistent. <clears throat> Normally we'd start at five to 6 a.m. Uh, you know, get in the van, head to the office, get your calls for the day. And then you didn't know if you're getting off at four o'clock in the afternoon or 10 o'clock at night, depending on when the last calls came in and if you're on the emergency rotation. So there was 
I would try to get home at four and make my calls when I could, or just do it all on Saturday, Sunday, if I couldn't make as many calls during the week. And was this, it's been a while, a family business? Uh, no, it, I was at a family business left to try to go commission-based plumbing. Cause mm-hmm. I'm like, Oh, got to get closer to the money commissions right. where it's going to be at. And yeah, it just yeah. still didn't work out. But well. you started initially with family. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then once you want, got into real estate, he's like, well, I need to, um, maybe make a little bit more. Right. Then you went off to do more of a consultative kind of deal. Well, it was just commission-based plumbing commission where based? It, it, yeah. you weren't hourly anymore. It was, you got paid with on what you'd sell. Like if I went to your house, I'd need to sell you on a water softener so I can make some money on it. So that's got it. More sales role. And so I'm asking this question, you know, yeah, a lot of people that are listening that are trying to balance, right. Two different roles. Like right. in a perfect world, we're doing this whole time, but right. Reality is a lot of people are trying to make this happen while they get their other job, whether they have family or they're just un- not ready to, to jump with both feet. Mm-hmm. How was it for you when you're trying to do this? Like, you know, in, in wearing two different hats, it, it didn't work at all. It was a, it was a nightmare. I was, drained got burned out really quick uh because it felt like nothing was working it wasn't working because i wasn't putting in enough time you mm-hmm. know i was expecting to go find a deal my first month in sending 100 texts a week and it, it just wasn't realistic but at that right. time i didn't know that i thought you just jump in and find deals in phoenix and you're good well i think go. there was a time where that was a realistic expectation right it just was no longer realistic by the time you got in right especially in this market in this market yeah. sure okay so you tried doing this on your own mm-hmm. it wasn't working and at some point you said you know like you wanted to work with us. Right. So, um, be totally honest here. Mm-hmm. How was that experience? Cause you know, it, don't try to protect my feelings. <laughs> How was that experience? No, I wish I would have listened to you guys when you said, Hey, you can't do this one foot in one foot out. You mm-hmm. know, we'll, we'll try it. We'll see if get some deals, get some confidence, and then you can quit the job. And we did, uh, able to find one deal Ruben locked it up for me cause I was terrible on the phones. You know, I talked too fast. I was in such a rush. I didn't jump on the morning calls to hear, you know, the, the role play and stuff like that. So I was limiting my own growth by thinking, oh, I knew everything and I can figure this out. Right. Yeah. So, but were there any things that you, cause you eventually you went on to do your own thing, right? right. That's why you're here. Right. So were there any things that you learned there that made sense later on or like things that were surprising when you when you were working with us uh so i liked how you guys had the team set up and that's something that i kind of duplicated and you know i have now is very similar of what i saw when i was on the team and the importance of sales training Mm -hmm. really pouring into yourself and getting that education so that when you have the opportunity you can capitalize on it instead of miss out on so many that i did instead of practicing yeah uh when you finally get good quality leads right so your very first deal is one you did with ruben yep so talk to us about that deal. So that one I found driving for dollars because I was, I was plumbing. So I was driving all over town mm-hmm. and I would, I had whichever app at the time before uh, batch driven came out, prop stream, deal machine, whatever we were using back then and uh, found a mobile with all this trash thrown outside of it. Like all the furniture had been moved outside. I was like, well, that's interesting. Yeah. Put a sticky note on the door, added it and then uh, brought it back. And Ruben's like, all right, let's skip trace it. Let's cold call it. Got her on the phone. She's like, yeah, my uh, tenant got in a shootout with the police he is no longer living and we'd love to sell this house mm-hmm. so Ruben negotiated a great price uh him and Max went out there met her in person got the contract signed and yeah that was rest is history so that was your first deal yeah and then what happened after that I just couldn't duplicate it uh and then I kept not listening to you guys where you're like you need to stay on the phones I'm like no driving for dollars worked I'm gonna do all that yeah so I spent all my time driving for dollars in person which takes way too much time mm-hmm. and then uh yeah, so I just couldn't duplicate it and felt that the system was broken instead of being introspective and realizing I was the problem. Yeah. Yeah. So we kept pushing you. Mm-hmm. And eventually we parted ways. Right. And so at this point then, was this when you, you were still driving for dollars at this point. Mm-hmm. So when did you quit your plumbing job exactly? Mm-hmm. And when exactly did we part ways? Uh, so I, we uh, parted ways because I wanted to focus on uh, the plumbing job and then the live-in flip that we were doing. Because mm-hmm. I was like, if we can sell this house, I'll have a nest egg and then I could potentially quit the plumbing job. Right. So uh, spent all day plumbing and at night laying tile, fixing up the bathrooms, getting this thing ready for market. Mm-hmm. And then we eventually sold that. Chris and I move into our new house and then I had a nest egg. Mm-hmm. Even then I still wasn't ready to take the leap. You know, we sold that house, made 80 grand on it. It's the biggest check I'd ever seen in my life. And I'm still uncomfortable about leaving the day job until I had some more guidance uh, 
Jesse Burrell kind of got in my head and kicked yeah. me out of the nest. He's like, every day you go to do plumbing, you're losing money. Right. And that just for whatever reason resonated. I'm like, he's absolutely right. So I'm glad that you hit that because that was gonna be my next question. Like, what was it like the impetus, the the thing that pushed you over the edge? So it was basically right. just Jesse explaining clearly mm-hmm. that you're throwing money away by yeah. working. Yeah, because uh, after we sold the house, I started dabbling again, started wholesaling on weekends and found another deal, started getting a little more traction after I poured into more knowledge, right? Mm-hmm. I, I started really going heavy into sales books, transactional analysis, neurolinguistic programming to understand the sales process. Like I didn't understand a lot of what we were doing back then, like mm-hmm. with the negative reversing and stuff like that. It, yeah. I was like, oh, that's just, you're, you sound rude. This doesn't work. Right. And now I understand the psychology behind it. So then I felt more capable and I started capitalizing on those opportunities. Um, so for everyone that's listening, cause I think there's, a, there's sometimes a challenge, right? Like, um, to when you're being told to do something, you kind of right. rebel against it. And then you figure it out later on your own. It's like, oh, no, that was right. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, any lessons there? Uh, I don't know, for someone that's trying to deliver that message to you, right. right. As a, as a business owner, that maybe would be helpful for the listeners or maybe helpful for yourself when you're trying to coach your own team. Yeah. That's a great question. Uh, subjugate the ego, like Jocko Willing says, mm-hmm. uh, there's a reason someone's telling you something. Mm-hmm. It's good to listen because they've right. already been there. They've learned from their experience. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's good for the listener. Right. What will you tell the coach, <laughs> the team owner, who's trying to convey that message to the team member? Because th- it's a tough. There's question. there's a, the the law of familiarity, right? There's a reason why we get in trouble for not listening to our spouses, right? It's a reason why we don't listen to our family members, even if they're right, even if they have relevant experience, we still disregard them because we're, we're too close, right? Right. So I'm just curious if there's anything that we could have done differently to help the ma- message land effectively. Uh, probably holding the line on, hey, we can't have part time. People, uh, you know, because looking back on it, that it just was not sustainable or. I mean, it would be hard to get me to see what I needed to do at that time because Mm -hmm. I wasn't in the right state of mind. I mean, you guys believed in me before I saw that it was I remember at your birthday party, you're like, this guy is going to make it. And I was like, I don't know what he's talking about. (laughs) Well, that helps. You were the last person that we had working part time. (laughs) See, it's growing for everybody. It worked for everybody. Right. Uh, Okay, so. What was your first then when you decided to go off on your own? Mm-hmm. What was your first major challenge or struggle? Uh, learning the dispo side of things. Uh, well, one, finding deals and then figuring out how to dispo. And that's mm-hmm. where I got creative with, you know, leveraging the community and networking with some other people that had, had experience doing that because I was getting some traction finding deals, but I didn't know what to do at, at that point. Mm-hmm. So that's where I partnered with some people to sell some deals and kind of learn that aspect. Which makes a lot of sense. Cause like every time I go to a birthday party, like you're there. Right. Right. I remember it was, it was, I think Raphael's 40th birthday or something. Yeah. And then, uh, we just had Jesse Burrell just had his gender reveal party like a month or two ago. Yeah. Like, Oh, Anthony's here. <laughs> right. So that makes sense. You are actively networking. Mm-hmm. So is that something that you're purposeful and intentional about? Right. Uh, I want to, I maybe subconsciously. Yes. But I just kind of feel like being around people that are doing what you want to do. It's going to kind of rub off on you like that law of averages, you mm-hmm. become the sixth person. When you hang out with five millionaires, you're going to become the sixth. You hang out with five successful, successful people. You're going to be the sixth. So kind yeah. of. Were you, were you on our team at my birthday party? I think I, no, I hadn't joined the team yet. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, I mean, this is like going way down memory lane here, right? right. Not trying to make this about me, but like, what was your take? On that birthday party i was blown away i mean people are pulling up in maseratis and bmws and it was yeah. a mansion on the side of the hill and, and bartenders and i was like what is going on here yeah. and everybody you know hey how many deals are you do in a year i'm like i haven't done a deal yet <laughs> like, who are you I'm like yeah. do you remember uh so you're talking about the bartender so remember who yeah. that bartender was i do yeah right legging off leggings uh, off right i can't wait to have him on the yeah. show right i mean the sober investor yeah he was a bartender at the birthday party and he's blown past everybody he's, I mean, he's running the fastest of all of us yeah. but what was you know interesting because this is a time two plus years ago dating myself right i mean we had jamil brent jesse burrell right like all these top wholesalers in town and we also have all the top realtors in town right just yeah mingling it was a very interesting uh, event okay so um going back to your challenge was dispoing it was networking so mm-hmm. you've since fixed the dispo problem uh yeah we've gotten really really creative with dispo especially with what we do is a little different 
our model is a little different than the traditional like wholesaling of houses. So we've gotten very creative with how we find our buyers for what we do. Okay. So how do you find those buyers? Uh, so we uh, go onto the MLS. Uh, if we have access or in markets where we don't have access, we go onto tax records, use uh, batch leads to go in and use comps, find recently built houses, go into the tax records, find out the LLC that built the house, mm-hmm. skip trace them, call them, build that relationship. Okay. And this works because your focus is a little bit different than everyone else's right. focus. Yeah. What is your focus? A great question. We focus mainly on land. That's mm-hmm. uh, I think out of all the deals we did, 98% of it was land last year. Okay. Yeah. So you find land, mm-hmm. I guess let's take another step back. Let's talk about your sources for land, right? Like who are you buying these pieces of land from? A lot of uh, investors that bought back in 05 to mm-hmm. 07 that have been sitting on it, waiting for it to get back to where they bought in at. That's a majority of where our deals come from. So these people are like, I'm finally back. Right. Yeah. And now you're calling them. Mm-hmm. What is that list? Like, is there a particular method or process to find those homeowners? Uh, so we c- kind of work backwards. We actually go find the buyers first okay. in areas that we see a lot of movement. Mm-hmm. Find the builders that are in the area. Say, hey, are you guys looking for more in this area other than this part of town? Where else would you like to buy? Mm -hmm. And they give us their buy box. And then we actually go find the land based on that and use some of those uh, 25 year owners, uh, 10 years owners kind of stuff to pull a list for the area and then go after that. So you're when you talk about builders, you're talking like big time develops like DR Horton or are we talking like uh, guys that are building a couple of houses a month? Like who, who is your avatar then as far as the buyer? The guys doing a few houses a year or a couple of months. Yeah. The, the big guys have marketing teams. They mm-hmm. have cold callers, they have outbound. So they normally don't need you. Right. But the smaller guys don't have that kind of infrastructure. So that's where we come in and provide value to them. Okay. So if that's, if you're doing this kind of in a different order, mm-hmm. how would someone today that's listening to this podcast, Go find that in their market. Well, the nice thing about it is most of these smaller builders put up a sign in the front yard, Mm -hmm. uh, so-and-so home builder, and go drive your neighborhood or the area that you want to invest in. If it's a local market, Mm -hmm. find those signs and start reaching out because I guarantee they do not want to do the cold calling and the negotiating they want. Hey, go find me a lot of 85 grand. I will buy it. Just bring it the deal. Okay. So drive for dollars, finding these Mm -hmm. developers. Right. And then asking them what they want. And then once you figure out what they want, what what's next? Find out what they want and then start marketing to those properties. Like mm-hmm. a majority of the deals we do is virtually driving for dollars on, you can do it for free using like the GIS mapping software most counties have, or if you want to get a little more, um, uh, what's the word? Granular. Granular. You can use systems such as like batch driven batch leads to go mm-hmm. in, use that. Cause then you can just click to skip trace. So it speeds up the process instead right. of going GIS, getting the tax records, going to true people. And there is ways to do it completely for free, mm-hmm. but it slows down the process. But yeah, you, you just basically use the map feature and batch leads, go in, click vacant lots, hit skip trace, then call the owner and say, Hey, uh, I work for a small builder. We're interested in your lot here. Would you consider an offer? Got it. So source the builder, Give trace either through GIS and true people search or batch leads. Right. And then calling them. And now at this point you're just negotiating. Right. So uh, we had Jack Bosch on a show before mm-hmm. and his process for land is just sending out a whole bunch of mail right. with offers. Mm-hmm. Um, that is not your process. I tried that. Lost a lot of money doing that. Okay. What happened? Uh, so we started getting, a lot of traction in the virtually driving for dollars started making good money and we're like, Oh, we're going to scale this. We're going to just go crazy with postcards. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, uh, we lost a lot of money with postcards. Okay. What part of postcards do you feel like wasn't effective? Uh, the systems. I didn't have the systems in place to field the calls as they were coming in. So you were getting calls. We were getting calls. Yeah. And then they were getting lost or you weren't prepared for them. They're getting lost in Podio. We weren't prepared to handle the calls. They didn't get the same attention because, you know, the guys on the team were all working leads that we already have. And mm-hmm. those are getting top priority instead of putting a postcard that somebody's ready to sell. Calling in is a top priority, but. Got yeah. it. Uh, who was feeling those calls? Uh, we had it uh, once again, you know, learning <laughs> as we grow. I had it just call forwarded to everybody on the team. So whoever grabbed it first got okay. it but sometimes they would just disappear into the ether and then so it was a free-for-all yeah yeah i don't think a free-for-all is necessarily awful it's not a terrible idea but it definitely should have had a little more structure so i could see what was coming where and so lead comes in mm-hmm. and then uh, if nobody answers it goes into the ether yeah 
So there was no Podio. There was no CRM. We had Podio. Uh, we were running on a free Podio still because I'm weird with what I'm cheap about and what I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> but we run on a free Podio. So yeah, things are just getting lost and it happens. It does happen, yeah. particularly with a free Podio. Yeah, especially on a free Podio. We fixed that sense, but. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, um, so then a large chunk of your business then is working with builders and sourcing land. Mm -hmm. So then when you're talking about driving for dollars virtually, right. you're not talking about looking for ugly houses. No. You're talking about basically clicking on the images. Yeah. Okay. And, and the only reason I'm bringing this up, there was um, Carl Spielvogel, right? He's another uh, peer, a friend of mine, he's in Carolina, and he calls it like a, what's it? Walking Polaris. And Polaris is just their GIS in, in, in that market. Okay. And they just, they find areas they like, and just click around and just look for odd shaped pieces of land. Right. <laughs> and then they make offers. Yeah, right. So, um, so predominantly you're, you're, you built a $1.2 million business mm -hmm. and this is not to belittle this in any way. It's not an overly complicated system. No, that's what I love about it. It's, yeah. it's very simple. And, uh, the reason we were able to get to the revenue that we did was I created a little system, realized I could then teach somebody else that system, mm -hmm. taught it to them. Then we taught it to, you know, the next guy I went, Steven, Paul, Dylan, and now Carlos is with us yeah. and just keep scaling through that way. Gotcha. So then in building this model, who would you consider to be the key roles within your organization to make this model, to make this model work? Uh, so I do a lot of, so all five of us are still in acquisitions. We still all make calls. I handle a lot of the transactional coordination and majority of dispo. Steven will help me with a lot of dispo and some of the TC stuff. Then the rest of the guys are just straight acquisitions. Uh, and we do cold call all to, all the way through closing the deal. So we, we don't currently have any outbound callers other mm -hmm. than the team. Um, so you guys are pulling a list, throwing a triple line dialer or whatever. Oh, no, no. We uh, use cell phones. Uh, so we are having terrible response rates. So I went to T-Mobile and just bought everybody a phone and said, hey, all right, here we go here. Everybody's got an iPhone. Mm -hmm. So now when sellers text back, they get the blue bubble. Mm -hmm. They know it's a real person. It's a real phone. And our contact ratios went through the roof. Okay. So everyone has a phone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We went this model um, a couple of years ago and it was great. Right. Um, and what we learned, cause we were, we bought the phone mm -hmm. and we attached it to a Mac. What we learned was we never burned the phone number with the iPhone. Right. We burned the Apple ID. Yeah. Because yep. we were trying to text from the, from the MacBook. Right. Didn't know you could burn an Apple ID. Yeah. So they will change it too. <laughs> if you call in really angry and say, why is mine showing up as spam? Mm -hmm. They're, oh, we're so sorry, sir. We'll fix it. Yeah. Yeah. We don't do a lot of text blasting though. So that might be yeah. the. Yeah. We were, we were text blasting very particular lists. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can see how that could go bad. Yeah. They were not happy. Okay. So everyone in your company gets. A T-Mobile phone, mm -hmm. iPhone, right, and they're manually typing in those numbers, correct, and calling them. Yeah. Okay. So just for reference, how many dials can these guys make an hour with an iPhone? Uh, I'm not sure the KPI per hour, but on average, a day we're doing 75 to 100. Okay, so that's pretty good. Yeah. So they're doing 75 to 100 dials a day. Right. Okay. So you said there's four or five guys in acquisitions. Mm -hmm. One of the acquisition guys is also doing part-time TC. Right. A little dispo. A little dispo. Yep. What else does the organization look like? Who else is in, is in the organization? That's it. We're still very bootstrap ground floor, you know, get figuring it out as we go. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So then, um, some time along the way, right? So you're working with us, you went off on your own. At some point you wanted to squad up. Right. But you don't have a squad a partner anymore. Right. What happened? A difference in uh, how we wanted to structure business and run it. Um, you know, it was a great partnership. I felt like we both were able to complement each other as we we're kind of building up in the, the process. And he wanted to go heavy into PPC and, uh, you know, the online stuff. And I felt like, hey, this is working. If it's not broke, don't fix it. Let's mm. pour heavier into this and just yeah. disagreement on the path. So just difference in vision. Yeah. Nothing personal. N nothing at all. All right. Now, uh, you have an incredible person in your life, yeah. Kristen, mm -hmm. who was an integrator for us for a little bit as well. Right. Is she involved at all in your business? No, she's focused solely. She does mortgages 100%. Okay. Yeah. Was there a strategic decision behind that? 
uh, no, she just loves mortgages and yeah. it kind of worked out and she's spends like 10 hours a day doing that. So there yeah. wouldn't be any time to <laughs> structure that otherwise. Gotcha. It makes total sense. Mm -hmm. So, um, business is working really well right now today, right? We're talking about the success, you know, last year, 1.2 million. That's yeah. a really good year. Yeah. But it all wasn't, you know, unicorns and, and rainbows, right? No. So we talk about the postcards. Yeah. What were some other challenges you faced along the way? Uh, poured a ton of money into a bunch of cold callers. Uh, mm -hmm. And then once again, if you don't have the systems to field it and you don't really vet the company that you're going to use and you're just throwing money randomly at a wall, hoping some of it sticks, it turns out it doesn't. Yeah. And yeah, we got, you know, a deal or two. But when you look at how much money was spent, it just wasn't worth it. Uh, what kind of money? Were you, were you throwing against the wall? <laughs> it was like five grand a month, just in five grand a month. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I didn't go anywhere. No, no. Okay. No so, uh, and you know, we all make these losses, right? We say like, Oh, this is going to be great. And then you, after a year, you're like, wow, that was a complete waste of money. Yeah. Uh, what else was there along the way? Uh, postcards were rough. Uh, then we spent a bunch of money to order. It was like 3000 door flyers so we could put on doors cause mm -hmm. we're out physically driving for dollars on the weekend, virtually driving for dollars throughout the week. But we're still hitting doors, trying to maybe find some houses once in a while. And yeah, just wasted a ton of money and gas and time. Um, so you talk about one of the things we, we, you put in the forum was how not to scale. Right. Was there anything else we want to talk about as far as not to scale? Lessons <laughs> learned along the way? Just making sure you have the right systems in place for when you try to expand into marketing. Like uh, don't just jump into a new market and go here's all my money mm -hmm. it goes slowly, like having a free podio and trying to spend all this money in marketing <laughs> and who knows where, how many of the calls are actually making it. Cause you're on the cheap call rail and you're hoping things are set up right. And turns out they're not. Yeah. yeah. What markets are you in? Uh, we're in Phoenix, just moved into Dallas and we're I in Vegas to see what's going on there. Gotcha. Yeah. A lot of your stuff is infill lots. Yeah. A majority of it's infill lots. We had just gotten into the entitlement plays on some lots. We took down a lot in Phoenix to get it entitled and then some lots out in Whitman, we're going to split subdivide and sell them off. Awesome. Very cool. This entitlement thing, I'm hearing more and more about it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really cool. You want to elaborate on it? Uh, so it's, you can take a lot that you buy for 70, uh, split each lot into, you know, little lots that are ready to go get uh, well drilled and water piped everything and sell each lot for 70 and really maximize your return. All right. So you're buying it, entitling it mm -hmm. and then Profiting off of that. Yeah. So, or you can take it. Uh, there's been uh, one that we we're taking through a rezone, but unfortunately it fell apart uh, due to some title issues where we we're taking it down. I'm going to change the zoning on it, annex it into the city of Buckeye, which would have taken uh, the profit four uh, X of what we we're going to pay for the land. Got it. Um, another thing you wrote down here was leadership. You want to talk about a little about leadership. Uh, that's one of the things I think uh, most people as they try to build a team are probably going to struggle with is one, having the accountability to keep yourself heading in the right direction. And then also the team. And mm -hmm. that's what poured a ton of money and time into uh, extreme ownership and dichotomy of leadership. Went to two of the Jocko event musters and it's been eye-opening on how many things I was doing wrong. Yeah, so big Jocko fan. Yeah, giant Jocko fan. Yeah, I think that's a, if, if Max could spend a day with anybody, I think, it, I think it's Jocko. Yeah. Um, so you were talking about like having like the free podio, you know, mm -hmm. uh, the analogy I've used in my team because they get frustrated with me too, believe it or not. You're on that team. So uh, the, the, the way I describe it is like, we've got a Prius. Right. Right. And, it, and I'm pushing it to like 120. Right. It's not going very well. <laughs> right. But we, here's the system. I'm going to take it as fast as we can. Right. And then once it kind of starts getting a little rocky, now we're going to upgrade the Prius. You know, we get, maybe we get better wheels and maybe make it a little more aerodynamic. Maybe throw a spoiler on it. Who knows? Now I can go like 150. Right. But now at 150, it starts rocking. Right. Now we've got to beef up the system some more, improve the systems. And then I'm going to take it 180. <laughs> so there's, there's this dance, right? Of like, hey, the system's not big enough. All right, we got to beef up the systems. All right, now that the system's good, let's grow some more. All right, the system's not built for this speed. Beef up the system more. And then we beef up the marketing. We're constantly going back and forth. Has that been your experience? 100%. Yeah, yeah. it's been the entire journey. <laughs> yeah. It never ends. You know, I want to say it's probably double digit, you know, today my lifetime where I've that I've got to figure it out right. going exactly how I want it and then you find out more things that are broken in your systems that's a big uh Ray Dalio talks about that in his principles where mm -hmm. you you go you fall you mm -hmm. find the root of the failure and you, you fix it and then you do it again and then you fall again and you just keep trying to at least go up the hill as you're rolling absolutely 
Uh, all right. So uh, before we go into the questions, uh, guys, if you um, are interested in checking out our blueprint, um, we got the closest lab blueprint coming up next month. Uh, Max and I are going to spend two and a half days going over everything in our business, including uh, finances, recruiting, sales, uh, marketing, every part about our business will be going over. Uh, so check that out. Uh, it's disruptors.com slash blueprint. Uh, again, you'll be coming to our office. Uh, it's going to be in the middle of June. Uh, let us know if you guys are interested in that. All right. So jumping into the questions here on YouTube, Omar wants to know uh, which software or app are you using for driving for dollars virtually right now? Uh, batch leads and batch driven. Uh, batch driven's for on the go anytime we're out because a lot of times you're going to drive to a property, take pictures of it. Believe it or not, when you're wholesaling land, you still got to take pictures of stuff. So <laughs> anytime I see a lot next door, I'll add it real quick. And the nice thing you can text through it, you can call, you know, it's turning into a commercial here but and then batch leads we use and got a great map feature can build a list for it and send it off to the guys if you want to yeah nice uh on facebook matt pierce wants to know any advice on how to grow and structure your team i'm still trying to figure that out so stay tuned <laughs> yeah well what, what are you struggling with it right now uh scaling and just making we're implementing some new systems to try to streamline the process so that it moves a little more effectively which part are you, are, are you trying to figure out, though, like specifically uh, into that? So we're trying to bring more inbound leads in, mm -hmm. right, so that the guys aren't getting burnt out having to cold call day in and day out because it takes a toll when you have to transition from cold calling to acquisitions like that. Mm -hmm. uh, so we're trying to um, now I'm vetting some cold calling companies before I just throw money at the wall. And we're going to try to give that another go. Uh, have you used call magicians? We haven't yet. Let's see what we use. OK, we're happy with them. Give them a try. Um, OK, so that's as far as growing your business though right like what about structuring your team structuring the team is just finding people that believe in the mission as much as you do and that you share a vision and alignment with that's what i feel blessed to be leading the team that i do is everybody's in alignment mm -hmm. we have we share the same vision we see the same goals and we're all in alignment on how if we all come in together everybody's goal is going to get met along the way gotcha how did you find the people that are on your team uh so i found steven at a grant cardone event and then Paul found Steven, uh, Dylan's an old time friend of mine. And then Carlos, I met through networking and going to different events. So more reasons right. to go to events. Well, yeah, that's uh, one of the, like, we just did the Clever Summit and we met, I don't know, hundred people mm -hmm. just from going to those events. It's not yeah. just the knowledge that you're paying for when you go to a seminar, a course, a three day weekend, you're meeting so many people that you could end up doing a lot of business with. Yeah. Um, Brittany, she's a transaction coordinator for our company, and we met her at a RIA event, right? Yes. Max spoke uh, on a panel at uh, Arizona RIA. Mm -hmm. We'll be speaking on Monday uh, at the next one. Uh, but yeah, he met her, or she followed him, right? Because he was on the panel. Right. And then eventually, when he posted about hiring, like, I want in. She went in. Yep. So it was awesome. Uh, so, question from Joseph on YouTube is What will you say to someone who cannot be full time? Oof. That's the tough part is how can I create some sort of value for somebody else that has the time to either get some deals done so that you can quit and go full time. That's, it's going to be hard. How can I can do nights, weekends? That's about all you can do till you find enough deals to build up the safety reserve to right. go full time. Yeah. Cause there's two ways to do it, right? There's the go all in mm -hmm. and then there's the, well, let me get some revenue so I can cover my bases or cover right. my expenses. And there's no right or wrong way. I'm the go all in, right? Right. Burn the boats and, and so on. Right. But, um, you know, you got to figure out what's right for you and your family. Um, I think it's best to go all in, but I do recognize that some people have responsibilities. You got to honor those responsibilities. The harder in those instances. Uh, follow up question from Joseph. If he's never done a deal before, what training would you recommend he take first? Well, there's this guy, Steve Trang. That offers some training that changed my life so of course i'm going to recommend that i think you may have a book out as well that'd yeah. be a good place to start yeah active listening 2.0 mm -hmm. um and you know i i do obviously you know we do love our training i think there's a lot of stuff that we give here for free on real estate disruptors i think there's a great place to start and i think taking action is probably the best place to learn honestly and then once you do that and that's not working then we got our workshop we have a lot of great guys great peers in the industry as well to learn from but thank you for mentioning our our, our workshop uh jeremy lewis on youtube um you said you fixed the free podio problem are you still using podio but a paid version or do you switch to a different crm yeah so we paid for a built out version of podio uh, okay someone way smarter than i went in and created 
Pulse or something different? Yeah, Pulse. Pulse. Yeah. yeah. So Rafael Cortez. Yeah. Genius. Super smart guy. Yeah. Great with systems. Uh, yeah, he built out Pulse Podio. So uh, if you guys are interested in that, check that out. It works great as long as I don't start messing with stuff. <laughs> Which is what we do as entrepreneurs. <laughs> yeah. Like, we, hey, I broke it again. He's like, all right, I'll fix it. We break things. <laughs> yeah. Um, so he asked the question, which company did you use, but didn't have success with? I don't know if you feel comfortable answering that question. I'd rather not. All right. So I, gonna, I don't want my, uh, my situation to tarnish a reputation because it, it probably was a lot of our fault. So I don't want yeah. I don't want the company to own it. Uh, Ingrid Hernandez, what are some fundamental things you should ask a motivated seller regarding land? Uh, utilities, what utilities are on the lot. And there's a big difference between on the lot compared to in the street. Mm -hmm. uh, if they're in the street, it could take, you know, anywhere from nine to $30,000 to bring them onto the lot. So it's a big negotiating point, create some clutter so that you can get that price reduction that you're most likely going to need. Got it. Um, what about them? Like, why are they selling? It's motivation's good. Uh, although a lot of land is just very transactional. Uh, you just people that have held it for so long. They're like, mm. I don't need the money. I don't care. Can you make me an offer that makes sense? Yeah. Um, and then on Instagram, Pedro, uh, so we'll see how many users already talked about that. Uh, on YouTube, Ron Rawriven, how does Podio track the sell calls? So Podio doesn't track the sales calls. Uh, we uh, sell C E L L. Oh, so, so if you're calling from your cell. Oh, I got you. Yeah, it does not. No. Yeah. yeah so we do a lot of uh, there's apps you can download on the phone if you want to record calls and then uh, listen to them at a later date. Or if you're saying, how do you track how many dials are done out? Uh, we're on an honor system. Yeah. So it, it, I mean, you can go into the call records in T-Mobile and see how many dials have been made from a phone. OK, so you can see it from yeah, T-Mobile. It's but, not but great it's not detail. Accurate. Yeah. It, if like if it doesn't hit a voicemail, it doesn't record it as a call mm -hmm. or if it doesn't get answered. So there's a lot of. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I guess that makes sense. It only tracks the answered. Yeah. 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 It, it has to have been going for a minute for it to record it. Yeah. Any reason why I use T-Mobile? No, it's just who yeah. I had. I'm just asking. We use yeah. a burner company. I can't remember who it was, right? It's one of those, like you pull it off the rack. Right. Uh, on YouTube, Dan is who is the co-calling company we use call magicians with Stratton Brown. Uh, you can find them on Instagram as Strat daddy. Uh, someone that, uh, we had the honor and privilege of coaching up, uh, when he was getting started. So, uh, we love his process where we love his company because it's in line with how we do our business. Um, we'll wait for a couple other questions for these to come in. What other things would you recommend, right? Like, cause you've got three years experience now, which is, right. it's funny, right? It's only been three years. Yeah, it's only um, gone fast. What other bits of advice or things you wish you knew then that you know now? The importance of changing your mindset and that you, you can do this and that it's, it's possible. Cause I know it's, you see, uh, podcasts and all these guys making all this money and you're like oh, i can never do that i was that person i was listening to this while i was fixing toilets and water heaters and crawling in attics and i was like oh there's no way it works and then yeah. start to get a little traction and you're like oh i feel good and then you fail and you're like oh see i knew it those <laughs> it limiting scam. beliefs will yeah. eat you alive if you don't fix that first i remember we talked about that mm -hmm. so how did you fix the limiting beliefs uh, pouring into these books on why your brain works where it does like mm -hmm. upward spiral was a great one on it's actually touches on a lot of depression, but a lot of other systems that you can use for fixing those limiting beliefs. Uh, any things you want to share, like any exercise that anyone could take today? Because I think there are a lot of people, right, that struggle right. with limiting beliefs. Right. Um, any, any exercises you can recommend on that? Uh, absolutely. So I did a lot of the I am affirmations. Mm -hmm. uh, there's one that I found on YouTube that I would listen to every morning in the gym. And I started going to the gym every morning instead of like, oh, sometimes in the afternoon, sometimes I'd miss a day. So that changed my life too, is the repetition, the habits, listening to, it was just, I am affirmations while mm -hmm. I'm lifting in the gym. I am wealthy. I am successful. I am rich. I am powerful. And that yeah. kind of changed my mind. That and uh, ancient Greek quotes from philosophers. Yeah. I don't know why, but I just started listening to those on repeat. So when I'd run into situations in life, I'd recall a quote yeah. and it would kind of change my mindset. Was it meditations? Which, what's the one by Morel, uh, Marcus Aurelius? remember what it's called um okay so a reason a other reason why i'm asking this is like i've gone to events right you got the uh sean terry's freedom you know, extreme freedom events right? right and you go to these events and there's i've gone to multiple and for me i always hated that the first day 
you're talking so much about mindset. I thought it was like, right. what a waste of time. Like I came here for tactics. I came here for like information. I go right. home, execute right away. Right. I didn't realize at that time that I am in the minority where like, I only need a little bit of information. I'm going hundred miles an hour. Right. Most people struggle with, with mindset. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'm glad we got the chance to talk about this because I think it's absolutely critical uh, item. So uh, Luke Crecia uh, wants to know what books do you suggest reading to learn about building systems out? That is, I'm still learning to develop systems myself. I, and I don't have any great books on that. I'm still trying to figure this out. Yeah. Um, so I don't, I can't speak to that. Very but it's a testament right. to what you've accomplished, right? right? Like you feel like you have a lot of areas to improve upon, mm -hmm. or it sounds like you feel like you have areas to improve upon, but you know, you're still struggling right? right and i also demonstrate some humility as well so um is there anything that like you're you're wondering about that we can kind of talk through here uh once again the scaling uh just making sure that the way i scale it's uh the right way to do it and that yeah. i'm being more conscious of what i'm spending because when looking at the pnl of last year and how much money was thrown into the ether i mean we burned a quarter million dollars on exploratory marketing and yeah. that that hurts it does. It absolutely yeah. does. Have you read Profit First? I have read Profit First. I yeah. just got Profit First for real estate investing as well. So right. I'm starting on that one. So I think there's that. So um, we actually had done an amazing job with Profit First mm -hmm. until very recently. Then we kind of had some bad habits right. creep in. Yeah. Uh, and so we've had money kind of go the wrong way. And, you know, maybe this month we we're maybe borrowing money from one company to another company. Right. Non-ideal. Right. And so for us, I can say that uh, we hired uh, a controller. Now, maybe you don't need a controller, but maybe a bookkeeper. Right. I don't know. Things to look at. Uh, but with a controller that we're actively looking to hire, they have full permission to be in our face or doing it wrong. Don't tell Kristen. She might, <laughs> she might take you up on that job. <laughs> right. But if they tell you like, hey, like you're supposed to be spending 12 to 20% on marketing and right. you're spending 40, right? And they can slap us around. Right. So I think that was something that's been really helpful or or, or hoping it'd be really helpful for us. Right. Um, anything else you're looking at as far as systems? Uh, just slowly scaling and realizing when you go into a new market and go in slowly, mm -hmm. you know, tip, uh, put a toe in the water first before jumping all in, spend less marketing, really get to know the market. Like we've gone out to Dallas three times physically to really mm -hmm. go feel out the market and see which areas we want to go to. Did a lot of driving for dollars in there, looking at what builders are building and and I'm not saying everybody has to do that because it's a it's an expense. Yeah. But I feel more confident in that market now that we're going to start marketing there. Yeah. Uh, and then Matt Pierce on Facebook, do you do text marketing at all via batch? Uh, no, we don't do any text marketing. Every now and again, if we hit a voicemail of somebody that makes sense, we use the RJ Bates approach where it's a, hey, did you get my message? Mm -hmm. That text has been phenomenal with mm -hmm. response rates. Cause they go in, they, oh, I didn't get your voicemail. Who is this? They call you back and like, yeah. who is this? Like I left a voicemail about some land. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. He's crafty. Yeah. Uh, we're going to be doing some stuff together very soon. Um, and then follow up on YouTube by Malcolm Hester. Is there someone that you recommend? What would you, would you recommend someone getting started in wholesaling to go for land or houses first? So I think it's going to be uh, very specific on which market you're in. Cause mm -hmm. for every 100 house flippers you have one builder so yeah it's maybe easier to recognize land especially in areas like texas where land is plentiful but who are you going to sell it to mm -hmm. now i like uh, you're saying uh who's a uh, jack bosch mm -hmm. that does a lot of you know land on seller financing and crushes it so that that's just not a model we implement we normally go for builders so that limits who we're going to sell to so that's something to think of like land is great because it's easy to, oh here's a vacant lot let me see if i can lock it up but who are you going to sell it to? So you kind of have to work backwards. Right. Uh, so one of the things that you've been very active about, we talked about already is um, networking. Right. Any suggestions for people getting out of their comfort zone or whatever? Because would you consider yourself to be a naturally social person? Not at all. Right. Uh, so the opposite. That's why I'm asking yeah. you this question. What but, tips would you give somebody to be intentional about networking? Lots of tequila. No, don't do that. But uh, just getting out of your comfort zone because it's it's a muscle, right? When you go to the gym, you're going to feel pain, but it's because you're growing. Same thing with these meetups. The first time it's going to be rough and you don't want to talk to people. The second time you go, you recognize a few faces. Mm -hmm. Third time you go, you're more friendly because you know these people are going to be there. And then you start to expand that uh, social 
fear a little more so that you can start doing deals with people. Right. So be consistent mm -hmm. on top of being consistent for someone that's shy. Is there anything that you did at the, at, at the, at the networking events to be more approachable or to make more connections? Is that a goal? Say, I'm going to talk to five people today, get some business cards printed up and business cards, business cards. It's yeah. 2022. I know we still, well, the nice ones we've got now are like, you can uh, got the QR code <laughs> and you can just scan them or you tap <laughs> them to the phone, but business cards. And, uh, we, I spend a little more on business cards to get the nice thick, like, uh, wash proof ones. So mm -hmm. if they end up in jeans and they get washed, they, yeah. the card survives because people have always complimented us on the card and, you know, try to make an appearance that people believe that you are who you want to be, you know, have right. a, if you don't have an LLC yet, just wear a nice shirt, kind of present yourself in a, a nice light. Maybe like one of these. Yeah. Yeah. A nice collared shirt. Just be presentable. Be, put a smile on your face. Yeah. Uh, read the book, how to win and win friends and influence people has been helpful as well. I see you went with Nike. I yeah. really like the Travis Matthews. Right. I haven't, yeah. I haven't tried them yet. Yeah, they're, they're comfortable. You should, you should check one out before you leave. Okay. Um, Joseph uh, wants to know, how are you finding builders? So we kind of talked about driving for dollars. Right. Is there any other ways you're finding builders? Uh, so it depends on the market. Texas is hard because it's a non-disclosure state, mm -hmm. but you can even Google house builders, your city, see who pops up and start calling them. A lot of them will be uh, build to hire. So they, you have to buy the lot and then they'll build for you. But mm -hmm. you can say, hey, do you have anybody that's looking to build in this area? I have this off-market land and they most likely do. Have you talked to the National Association of Home Builders? I have not. I have not yet. So that's supposed to be like one of the biggest um, associations, right? Right. Where I would imagine, right, because it's going to be dominated by the big players, but I imagine right. there should be a lot of smaller players there as well. You would think so, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, back when I was actively looking to get listings from home builders, mm -hmm. that was where I was uh, uh, marketing to or getting ready to market to. Right. Uh, Jason Lamb on YouTube what was the most common objection that you get from sellers when you're calling about land? That they're not interested. That's the number one go-to. And then the other one is just, um, it's, it's very transactional. So a lot of haggling over price. And that's where having the knowledge to go through what it's going to cost to build. Because mm -hmm. if you're just trying to go in, can I give you a cash offer for your house or for your land? Uh, the neighbor lot sold for 60, I'll give you 50. They're like, no. Right. But knowing what a water meter is going to cost for your area, knowing what a septic or sewer tap is going to cost, knowing what it's going to cost to pull power, or, uh, soil test, survey, all these things that really go into development. And the beautiful thing is most cities have a fee schedule. Mm -hmm. So you type in fee schedule, F-E-E, and then go City of Phoenix, and it'll tell you what it costs for all the fees from the county. And you can build a list. So now you create a ton of clutter to go to the seller and say, hey, I can't pay you 80 for your lot. The one next door that sold for 80 had all this. You don't. How do these two compare? Right. That's awesome. Um, on uh, Instagram, uh, what are the must-have tools you need if you are just starting? So the, that's the thing is you can start free. You can use the county GIS. You can use uh, true people search, free, free people search, whichever one you want to use, and then start that way. Go find a lot, get Tracy owner, give them a call, and just that is a great way to start, but, and then some sales training, you need sales training. Yeah. Um, just a quick plug. We do sales training. Um, so, uh, Ingrid on YouTube, is there an advantage to trying to take over land creatively? I can't speak to that. We don't do anything creative. Uh, we've actually had issues where we tried to pitch some creative stuff to some builders mm -hmm. and they don't want to do that because they want to buy the land and then they cross collateralize it with their construction loan. Gotcha. So they go to the bank and they say, Hey, if we, default on this loan, you get the land. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to do something creative now, that seller would have to subjugate into a second or third position, which most of them don't want to do. So I understand what you're saying, mm -hmm. but other people might not know what you're talking about. Right. So to elaborate. Uh, yeah. So if uh, I were to buy land from you and you would become the first position because you'd say, Hey, you, I still own the, no, the bank. This. Yeah. You're, you're the buying. bank. I'm borrowing mm -hmm. your land from you making payments. If a, if I'm a, builder and I want to bring in a construction loan from the bank, they're going to push you to second position because they're not going to go behind you because they right. want to make sure that if I don't do what I'm supposed to do, they can take the land as collateral. Mm -hmm. so they can get some of their money back. And I, we just, I could be not pitching it right, but a lot of sellers don't want to take that kind of risk. Right. Well, I think in info lots, they might be willing to take the risk if they can see the product, if they right. can see the end result, right. but it has to be 
like immediately obvious. Yeah. Uh, I think they were talking about outers, pieces of land. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Because yeah. I've seen this happen with like, a, if you're talking about like a piece of land on Paradise Valley mm-hmm. or in Paradise Valley, right? Oh, yeah. I can see that working. You can make yeah. that argument like, look, like once we built this out, like look how much equity is going to be here. Right. But uh, anyway, that's besides the point. Uh, Luke on YouTube, uh, thoughts about agent relationships to acquire wholesale deals versus going direct to seller. Um, so obviously, um, well, here, so I'll just, what are your thoughts? Should, should you market to realtors or should you market directly to seller, uh, for your business? So our business model up until this point has been direct to seller on everything. Normally, if there's an agent in the middle on land, they're going off comps in the area. They don't Mm -hmm. care about utilities. They want to get their client as much money as possible, which is their job. Mm -hmm. And you have to try to educate them, but we have not been able to get past that barrier to say, Hey, we need a $40,000 price reduction for these utilities. Yeah. Uh, we did just get the agent investors course. So we're going into that. So hopefully awesome. we can learn some new tricks that we've been missing out on. Yeah. All you young fellas. Mm-hmm. Got out Ryan's own. Yeah. How old are you? 32. 32. Yeah. All right. So yeah, I'm, I'm out old. of the young guys club. You're still in the young guys club. You guys are all still babies. Uh, Vasily in Sacramento, any advice for his specific market? I have nothing in Sacramento. Uh, but I'm sure there's opportunities there. If you can find, especially infill lots where builders can go in, there's always an opportunity. And um, what is your why? What keeps you going? I've always wanted to be successful. The beautiful thing about success is you can never obtain it. It just keeps getting a little, little farther away. So that's just always been my goals. Pretty bad upbringing. So mm-hmm. not trying to end up there again. Yeah. Um, so talking about a difficult upbringing was there anything particular that that pushes you is there any particular memory that you reference back to oh yeah waking up no power because uh you know power building get paid cold showers section eight water uh you know no water to shower that was always fun you know had to go to school haven't showered in a few days and food stamps was just always embarrassing to me and parents were doing what they could but you know it was was rough was that here yeah yeah and i think that's that's powerful right because that kind of goes to like this is attainable. Like, right. um, there have been so many people that have come onto the show and they started from pretty much scratch from the bottom. Right. Uh, I think of all the shows, we've had about 200 episodes, only one person came into it with money. Right. <laughs> Everyone else is like, came from hardship and they made this work. So I think that's awesome that you have very clear ideas on what drives you. Right. And in some ways, I mean, let me ask you this, would you change anything? No, no. My past has, uh, it's been great for fire and fuel to keep me going through and I want to give up and I'm like, no, no, yeah, I'm not going back. Yeah. Too many people doubted me for this. I'm going all in. Yeah. So you got that as well. So you got a came from hardship and B you got a chip on your shoulder. Oh yeah. The chips deep. Yeah. Yeah. You got any specific people that have doubted you that motivates you? Oh, there's been, a, there's been a lot over the years and that's why I'm so big and loud with my dreams and goals Yeah. so that every time so you can see it in their eyes, like you can't get it. It's like, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was the weird one when I said you have a future. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, who is this guy? Why is he being so nice? <laughs> uh, what is your biggest struggle right now? Uh, just uh, scaling, uh, just growing out of business. But, yeah. Uh, who's helping you with that? Uh, Jesse Burrell has been a lot of help. Uh, like, stop doing that. You're doing it wrong. And it normally takes like three months for me to listen. Yeah. Sounds about right. <laughs> sounds familiar, actually, as a business owner, as your, yeah. as your former boss. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I highly recommend Gary Harper, right? Gary I mean, he's, Harper. he's, he's made a big difference, big change in our business. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you decide to go further out, um, so what is your superpower? Uh, my creativity, I'd say, uh, if I, I'll go down a path and if I don't see the light at the end of the tunnel, I'll make a new tunnel. Mm-hmm. That's been, okay. so can you give an example? I like the land thing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so when I first got failed wholesaling the first time, got back into it, I was going after houses again. I was calling and competing with the same people. You show up, there's four other wholesalers. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't like this. Yeah. And then uh, we found the first land deal. I was like, oh, there's something here. Right. And then locked up six the next month. And I'm like, oh, there's definitely something here. Right. And just went all in on that, created the system, found out what worked, really dove into the numbers and what builders will pay. And then I found Steven and he's like, I'm down for the ride too. Showed him how to do it. He had success. I'm like, all right, we, we've got something here. And then, That's cool. Yeah. What is the greatest lesson you've learned? Invest in yourself as cliche and corny as that sounds. It's very important to 
find out what your weaknesses are and be honest with yourself. Like I sucked at sales. I was terrible on the phone. Mm-hmm. I would talk too fast. I wouldn't make the calls. I, if I did make the calls, I was half-assing it because I just want to get through the calls. So mm-hmm. I hit my quota. So that's, uh, and then slowing down and saying, hey, these are where I lack. This is what I'm bad at and finding a way to fix it. Yeah. I mean, I do remember a couple of times where I was just sitting behind you. like, yo, like you said this. Why'd you say this? Why'd you say that way? Why'd you say it this way? <laughs> Probably yeah. wasn't helpful because it was really nitpicky, but no, it was because I mean, look where I am now. So yeah. Uh, what was your favorite, best, or most interesting failure? Best or most interesting failure? Hmm. Probably out the gate. You know, I mean, I had a golden ticket for wholesaling, and I basically squandered it. <laughs> and that could have been the end of it. I could still be plumbing if I hadn't decided to give it another shot. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, Ingrid wants to know what's an infill lot. Infill lot are just lots in neighborhoods that are already developed. You know, you, you drive through uh, fire damage are also another great one to treat for land value. So if you see a fire damage property, you can go to builders and say, hey, would you be interested in this as well? Which they normally do because utilities are already in place and they just can keep one existing wall, get through permits faster. Right. Uh, so you mentioned that you're uh, a creative problem solver. Right so this is from Vasily in mm-hmm. Sacramento. They've had many forest fires in the Sierras. How would you approach those homeowners? Oof, that's going to be a tough. So a lot of them are going to get insurance money and then have the ability to rebuild. But you're, I mean, it, those are tough calls because somebody lost everything. So you have to go in very soft, very compassionate, very empathetic of what they went through because that's mm-hmm. terrible. I don't, that's going to be a rough call. Hey, I understand what you've gone through. Uh, actually, I don't understand. I've never lost a house to fire, but if you're interested in selling the property we'd be interested in buying it and then you could take the money that you get from the lot plus your insurance and pick a different area if you'd like if not i completely understand yeah that'd be that'd be a rough call it is a tough call i mean that's almost it's up there with probate i don't know which one's worse yeah yeah probates are bad yeah uh all right so last question is what book have you gifted more than any other extreme ownership okay uh why that book Uh, It was life-changing for me. Uh, Everything's your fault. And if you don't think it's your fault, find a way to make it your fault and your life's going to get better. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You want to elaborate on that? Like why why is that so effective? Uh, Because it takes away the blame. Like in the beginning, I blamed uh, the data I was using sucked. The the mojo wasn't working. Oh, Podio, I can't find the leads. Oh, it's everybody else's fault. Mm -hmm. But someone was like, hold on. Why isn't this working? It's because you suck at sales. Have you done any of what they told you to do? Have you studied? Have you done any of this? No, you haven't. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that's as soon as you start taking ownership for your life, that's when things really change. That's awesome. Happy to hear that. Uh, All right. So think about what you want to leave the listeners with. All right. I'm going to make a few quick announcements. Uh, Guys, if you got value today, please like, subscribe, share, comment. I say this selfishly, but we can reach more people, help more people if we get more uh, engagement. Uh, and then we do have Closers Lab tomorrow, 10 a.m. with Max. And then we have on Fridays, blockchainwhales.com. Uh, if you guys can't tell, I'm very serious about blockchain. I think this is the future. And I'm trying to be the guy that's going to marry blockchain and real estate. Although I got some friends uh, that are going to be, that I'm competing against as well. Uh, so next week, we got Nick Marietta and we got Ryan Pineda. So be sure to check it out next week. And when I'm talking about friends that I'm competing against, Ryan's number one. <laughs> Sorry, as a blockchain and real estate. Um, what are some last thoughts you want to leave listeners with? You have to be persistent. You have to want it because life's going to test you every step of the way. Uh, and you make 10 grand a month. Can you make 15? Can you get out of that limiting belief? Can you get to 20? Mm-hmm. Then you hit, get to 100 and then it, it's real. It works, but you have to want it more than anybody else. And you have to put what you want above everything else. Are you willing to set aside the video games, the movies, the basketball games, and really dive deep into your future and what you want? Yeah. Powerful. I, uh, I was on phone yesterday with Jason Lewis, who owns Investor Machine. We were launching a lead manager training program together. And he asked me what got me back into basketball. I was like, well, I stopped watching it in 2007 when I went into business for myself. It wasn't until a couple years ago, last year, really. I got back into it. So, you know, you're talking about what you're willing to sacrifice. I made a conscious decision. I watched literally every UFC championship, right? Right. Until 2007. Right. Then that was the year I stopped watching UFC and basketball. Still watch the Cardinals. Right. Even as atrocious as they were. Um, but yeah, I think that's a great message. What are you willing to sacrifice? What are you willing to give up? 
to achieve your goals? Yeah, trust me, I was video games heavy. I would get from that was my escape from the life I hated. I'd get right. home, tequila, the weed, video games, numbed. We don't do weed in this office. We definitely don't, but yeah. I did at the time. There's a lot of laughter <laughs> over there for some reason. <laughs> drug testing tomorrow. But All how, right. How much are you willing to give up for yeah. the life you want? And that was what changed mine is I set aside everything I could and kept trying to. That's why I like Jocko so much because that's who I compare myself to. Yeah. Oh, I got up at 630 today. Oh, he's already up at 430 lifting. Yeah, right. Got to go harder. Yeah, you got to go harder. Yeah. Uh, if someone wants to get a hold of you, how would they do that? Uh, Instagram, AD Pappas, uh, Facebook, Anthony Pappas. Um, yeah, yeah. I'd love to help out. In so anyway. uh, this was a special episode for me, right? Because I got to connect with you mm -hmm. before in the very beginning part of your journey, yeah. right? I got to work with you, uh, coach you for a bit, mm -hmm. mentored you for a bit, and see everything you've accomplished. It's such a great joy for me. It's been an honor on this yeah. end as well. So thank you. Thank you. I'll see you guys next week. Shout out to Steve Train. Jump on the Steve Train. We real estate disrupt us. 